Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Dan Narek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church of Douglaston, New York, along with our co-host, Mr. Veh Bezdigian, and our producer, Mr. Greg Doster. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Let's start our show with a prayer from the prayer book of the Armenian Church. Der yeteim shertunk neris panas, peranis ku ornutunut bidiyerke. Ornyal lahamako yev miasnagan, an pajaneli surp yerortutuna, haire yevortin yev surpokin. Aizum yev misht yev havidianis havidenits. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Blessed be the consubstantial, united and indivisible Holy Trinity, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, now and always and forever and ever. Amen. If I had Nothing to my name But photographs of you Rescued from the flame That is all I would ever need As long as I can read What's written on your face The strength that shines I don't know about you, Dad. I, I felt like April 24th this year was a little different. It felt a little different, and I'm not sure why. Was it because it's the 102nd year, or there was something else happening in the community that made it different? I think uh, in our discussion earlier, I think we both agreed that the concentration of the community was on the opening of the promise which is a good thing. The fact that people really wanted to go out and show their support for the movie. Uh, But perhaps then that kind of took away from other uh, collective gatherings and and more of the commemorative aspects of our uh, remembrance of April 24th and the genocide. That's right. And I know that you have not seen the movie yet. I have not. I have not. Unfortunately, uh, we were away this weekend with the family, uh, taking advantage of the kids' uh, spring break. So uh, we haven't seen it yet, but I intend to go, and we're scheduled to go this Friday. But I'm interested in hearing all about it, and I've heard great things about the picture. Obviously, the critics are going to give their critical assessment, their evaluation in comparison to uh, other similar films in the same genre. But, uh, you know, I think overall, the impression that I get from folks is that it was was well-received and and a good film, a good picture. Greg, what do you think? I mean, especially Greg's perspective is unique in that he's coming at it from a professional production standpoint. So I'd like to hear what it is that you know Greg has to offer on this. Uh, thanks, Ve. But you know, I first I gotta say <clears throat> I don't think it really took away from any of the commemorative aspects of the genocide. In fact, I think it might have even fueled the commemoration in general. And so let me just say that I went to the Saint Sarkis preview. Uh, the viewing, the thing, uh, at uh, Westbury Roosevelt Raceway Theater. It was awesome. It was packed out. You know, there's not only a bunch of our community members, but also like Holy Martyrs community members and just people who lived around. 
when you first walked into that theater, you didn't feel the Armenian uh, commemorative genocide feeling that we get. You know, that spirit of remembering our ancestors who really were put through ridiculous times. But once that movie started, I mean, I recall my times going to Saturday school and language school and hearing these stories and not to get emotional right away on the podcast, but it really just fired up something different in me. I, I looked to my left and right um, by the end of the film and I mean, I had tears in my eyes and so did the people sitting next to me and probably most of the theater too it really reminded me how much my culture means to me. And it makes me proud to work for the church. It makes me proud to work with other Armenian organizations. And it makes me proud to be friends with somebody like you, Ben and Dernadik, to be able to act upon building a closer community, no matter how tough it can get sometimes. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, sure. But it's cool that I have that power, and we have that power, so... I think this movie was uh, not a wake-up call, but just an extra boost for us. Um, but, you know, regardless, with the commemorations I, I saw, uh, you know, Boston, L.A., New York, Troy, even, like, upstate New York, it was, they all stood up. Um, it, was, it was awesome. And we got a lot of, also, notoriety from politicians, nations, celebrities, and most importantly, with the promise uh, premiere we got notoriety from people who you know may not even have known about the genocide which i thought was really cool just individuals which i love did not did you see the film i, I saw the film greg um and as you mentioned uh, saint sarkis church the pta we organized um the viewing on friday night but unfortunately i did not attend we were able to sell all 360 tickets yeah, and I, I had two tickets and I uh, donated my tickets because there was another engagement that I had that for that night. But we went on Sunday night and we went to um, a theater where I don't think there were a lot of Armenians. There were maybe about 40 people. So um, it was my wife, Ani, her sister, Salpi, and Salpi's husband, my brother-in-law, John. So the four of us went. And I was sitting next to um, a couple, an African-American couple. And we, we were watching the movie. And, you know, when when the story was unfolding and the, the tragic events were uh, happening on the screen, I looked at the lady who was sitting next to me, and um, she was crying. And for me, you know, the sadness that I was experiencing as an Armenian to revisit those sad pages of our history was even more magnified to know that, you know, a, a lady who probably knew nothing about my culture mm-hmm. was experiencing similar emotions. And to me, that is, you know, very important testimony that the film did its job. Yeah. So I think that the movie is, is really great and... Um, the feeling that you get mixed feelings even towards the end as predictable as the story is because we know the sure. history you you leave that um the, the movie theater feeling sad feeling hurt 
but also feeling proud of mm-hmm. you know at the end of the, of the achievement of, of the doctor and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not you know ruining the experience for you by not not not, not seeing the movie and for yet those who haven't, watched. haven't you know and, and I know a lot of people are kind of frustrated that the movie is not doing the the way that we expect it to be but I don't think uh, th- we can judge the longevity of the effect of the movie based on how they do in, in theaters. I think once this comes on Netflix and on Prime, a lot of people will, will watch it. Oh, sure. But on the contrary, there, Nadek, you know, I thought about the numbers. Okay, Fate and the Furious came out, which is like, you know, of the uh, Fast and the Furious series, I think. Yeah, it made like a billion dollars in the last few weeks. Yeah, it was um, the first week was somewhere over $100 million. Okay, great. It took $100 million to make The Promise. That's how much Kirk Kerkorian, God rest his soul, and bless his soul, funded for this. But, you know, it wasn't about the foreign change that it developed in its opening weekend. I, I actually think that this guy dropped $100 million to make a film, a feature film using all his resources, not only through money, but through, like, connections and, and friends and networks. He got so many ridiculous actors. I mean, like, Oscar winners. Can you believe it? Like, Oscar Isaac and, um, pun, Christian Bale, Charlotte Laban. Like, that's crazy for us and he didn't care about getting anything in return i mean it all goes to charity and i'm not i'm not trying to judge the success of the movie based on the numbers that it makes but you know you would expect more people to go and see it and yeah and when you have fast cars running for no reason versus some (laughs) tragic story people unfortunately would go and see the fast well, cars. I'd, I'd be interested in knowing what the numbers are like for a similar movie. Like when Hotel Rwanda came out, obviously it's incredibly critically acclaimed, but I doubt on the opening weekend that everybody was running out to go see that. So I think history will judge it well. Absolutely. And who knows? It may be an Oscar nominee in a certain certain number of categories. Yeah, so the, down the road, you, it you may end up you. Uh, you know being a very positive and, and well-received film from both the critical standpoint as well as the... the the, uh, the the general population. So, but but Greg, the question I'd like to know ask you talked about it was a hundred million dollars they invested in this picture. Did that scream at you across the screen? Like, was it overwhelmingly wow? Like the production quality, the overall, like the scenic beauty and everything. Again, I'm talking from a, you know a clear disadvantage here, not having seen the movie, but. I'd like to know from, that's why I directed it first. The first question was, what did you think of it and the production quality of the film? Okay, I'll make this very easy for you. Yeah, I thought I thought it was so well produced, so well directed. Um, I'll admit there were some times uh, within the editing and the arrangement of the, the scenes, it totally threw me off. But there was one thing, I, I don't know if this is like podcast appropriate, but... Did you catch the mom and how she said Mara like four different ways? So, Greg, you're talking about details. And let me t- tell you what are some of the details that I like. I like the fact that whenever there there was Armenian spoken, it was um, Western Armenian, you know, correct accent. Oh, and, it was. They had, so, yeah. other than Maral yeah. having been mispronounced, it was still uh, Every it was time okay. That, they were yes, on target. Yes. Wait, what did you think at the end um, with that little... I don't want to give too much away because it's okay. It's okay. You You don't. don't It's fine. It's fine. Um, Okay. Well, what did you think at that very end when the when he gave the speech at the um, that particular event? Was it wasn't he pretty well spoken? 
I think it, he was. I mean, I thought so too. Yeah, I was impressed. Tell the bolsa how you it's tough. The Armenian, the, yeah, the Armenian part. You mean? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. Okay. It was pretty good. So yeah, I think they they covered a lot of bases. Like uh, I was not expecting to see Gomidas in the movie. Yeah. I was not expecting to hear Armenian hymns, uh, mm. the beautiful hymns. Um, again, I have to say this: um, the 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 um, the concert that was supposed to be in the church, mm -hmm. you know, that was not an Armenian church. That was some Eastern Orthodox church. I don't know why they did not go to any Armenian church too. But well, I, I was watching uh, some of the the interviews of uh, Terry George, mm -hmm. the director, and he had said they were trying to maintain a very low profile presence to avoid drawing attention sure. to the film. Right. So wherever they chose to film, they were very discreet about it. Maybe they wanted to avoid going outside of where they were within their comfort zone. And perhaps, and I think they filmed in Spain and in in Western Europe, mm -hmm. so maybe there wasn't an Armenian church in the immediate right. vicinity from where right. they were filming. Also, I just want to mention one thing. You said that you donated your two tickets. Now I love how this was like a common thing that I've seen. People buying. We bought tickets. I bought five tickets. Oh yeah. Just to have bought, of course. Awesome. Just to add to the numbers. But I don't know if we should acknowledge that because. Then it's disappointing to me the fact that I bought I bought tickets and yet the numbers were low on the overall oh, sale. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, but I mean I think the movie served its purpose. No, like I offered my mom's office. I was like, mom, you know what? Look, go grab all the women at your office, and why don't you go see the film on me? And I was so happy. I felt like I could be able to give to the community. And I just saw on Facebook today somebody offering the teachers of like um a certain school. Like you know what? Go go grab your teacher friends and I think that's so cool. It's not it's not a difficult thing to do. I reached out to yeah. all the pastors of, of our community and unfortunately all of them were busy that night. <laughs> I mean we can still do this and offer them tickets to go and see it again because the more we speak about this and the more we promote the movie, uh, we're promoting our cause. And yeah, of course. Absolutely. And of and to one thing I wanna basically highlight a point that Greg made. Uh, this wouldn't have happened without Kirk Kerkorian's yeah. of course vision. Of course. So, really, the man is, is owed, in addition to what he's done for this film and what he's done for the Armenian community in his life and now in a post mortem, mm -hmm. uh, it's an incredible contribution. And the fact that he achieved his, his objective, his goal was to create a noteworthy feature film about the Armenian genocide. And he's getting the message out. And I think slowly people are going to be talking about it. People ask me at work, hey, did you see the movie? I didn't go yet. Are you going to go? So it's kind of stirring up that level of intrigue that whereby, uh, you know, on April 24, we commemorate and perhaps the, the media covers it to some extent. Um, but in this case, it was discussed leading into the, the events of the weekend. And it seems to be on people's minds that there was this feature film about sure. uh, a very noteworthy and, and significant event in, in world history. And without talking too much, too, we can't forget uh, we can't forget Eric Esraelian. He was the producer of this film, right? And you know how I mean, I'm Mr. Producer. I have to look out for the producers. Mm -hmm. No, but um, Eric Esraelian not only had like a huge presence in the campaigning for this, and I mean, not only producing the film, but he was a he's a UCLA doctor or like a something. He has a a medical background 
Oh, I didn't I, know that. I want to know where the production aspect comes in because he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need to read into that a little bit. Well, and since we're giving kudos to Eric Israelian, I have to thank him for incorporating one of my favorite musicians, Chris Cornell, yeah. who made the, the title cut. For, did, you, did you for, like it? I did. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. It's good. It's different than his style. I like sure. a little more edgy Chris Cornell with Soundgarden, Audio Slave, a little more harder rock and roll. I know Dead Nighting has some appreciation for that sure. as well. But, uh, you know, I thought the song was very appropriate. And he's been out on the uh, promotion circuit. He was on all the late night talk shows yeah. talking about performing the song. So, again, it's another aspect of mainstream American culture that's getting exposure to a topic that perhaps they hadn't really uh, sure. hadn't been exposed to in the past. That's, uh, that's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. You know, um, Why don't we talk a little bit about the other movie that we saw in the city um, a few weeks ago? Yeah. What the, did you think about the Near East uh, Relief Foundation's movie? They shall they not. shall not perish. I thought it was outstanding. It was really? that was that's a special special movie. Yeah, Shant- and Shant Mardirosian. And again, it's funny you brought up like I don't know how this guy Israelian has production background, but Shant is a finance guy, a CPA, and he had this vision to, to put this film together, and was the executive producer, and really did. I mean. I was not expecting, to that extent, the professionalism of this film. Probably for me, it is the greatest documentary focusing on the Armenian genocide that I've seen. Absolutely. Do I overstate it when no. I say that? You know, yeah. Yes. You know why I love it because it is an American movie. It is an American story. It's not like a bunch of Armenians telling about what happened to us. It is the American telling their story, how they went there, how they helped. And they were very instrumental. And they, how they mobilized the entire country to raise all those funds and go and help us, the Armenians, who were... $40 million, which back then, in real dollars today, <laughs> would be probably approaching hundreds of millions, perhaps a billion dollars in, in funds collected by the American public. Where there was days attributed, they called it the Golden Rule Day. Mm-hmm. Sundays were the day when you do unto others and you actually forego having a big meal and making that meal contribution to support the victims of the Armenian genocide. So that was to, to support the or- orphaned and, Armenian religion. And I'm happy that it, it is made for PBS and it's, it's going to be on different PBS yeah. channels. I'm glad you brought that up because I was think we, we've been talking, since we're talking about film, yeah. uh, it's very appropriate for us to so, be... Uh, so what I found also similar in The Promise is that um, The Promise somehow is about the American hero, who is the news reporter, uh, the um, AP um, reporter. And as an American, you know, you can you can see his heroism and you can relate to that. And that's, that's a great thing. No, that's a great point then, Nadia. Again, uh, I am really looking forward to seeing the picture, especially considering the feedback. Like I said, leading into the film, I was a little nervous and anxious because the critics were bagging it and talking about it being very formulaic. And important in a sense of it's being it being a historical drama, but at the same time talking about the storyline being a little too predictable. But the sense that I'm getting, and this is not just like you said among Armenians, the feedback has been positive. So 
I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm glad we were able to discuss it today. I would like to go and see it one more time, and I encourage also the listeners to go and see it again and invite your, especially non-Armenian friends, to go and see it. It would be great for us to be talking about in a few weeks that we achieved $20, $25 million in sales across the United States, which would be, uh, I think that would be something to be proud of. Another thing about April 24th commemoration that I have to mention, guys, is uh, the Divine Liturgy celebration that we had on the evening of the 24th at St. Illuminatus Cathedral. And uh, with both Serpazans being there, our prelate Oshagan Serpazan and Anushavan Serpazan. And the celebrant was Der Aram, uh, who is currently the pastor of St. Stephen's Church in Connecticut. So why this is important for us? Why probably people ask there was no services at St. Sarkis? Um, the reason for me to go to St. Illuminators because at St. Illuminators we have relics of the victims of the Armenian genocide. And there's a total different sense when we are celebrating the, the divine liturgy and the way i'm sure you've seen the altar that is dedicated to to the martyrs it is uh, made with glass and there's the sand that was brought from their zor and the bones are right there and there when you look at those bones i don't know the chills that i get it is such a difficult spiritual experience that uh, that i get um, every time that we celebrate the divine liturgy and there's I, I never realized that the bones were under that altar yes i've seen the sand but yes. i didn't i guess it's i never always, paid close attention to it's it it's always covered but ah, once you remove the cover okay. it's there okay. so um it makes you feel that the whole thing is so real and so fresh and uh it, it's just very difficult, I mean, for me personally uh, to go through that. It's very emotional. And the other thing that, uh, remember, I, I mentioned in, in the beginning of, of the podcast that it the whole commemorative events, it feels different um, 102 years later. Mm-hmm. And as I'm reflecting on it, I think it has to do with the fact that um, our victims are now saints declared by the Armenian Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. And I personally have mixed feelings about that. You know, you do. Yeah, I do. Up to um, the hundred year, it was all about we have a cause. We want justice. And mm-hmm. we were trained to think that way. And then the hundredth anniversary comes and 
we declare them saints and the entire message has changed now we're asking them to intercede to to God for us and they're in, we are celebrating their lives as saints now because that's what you do when you have saints you celebrate their lives and the, you ask for their intercession but i know that the injustice that was done to them was so big that i cannot go to that place of celebration and that's my mm. struggle personally mm. and uh, i'm not sure if i'm making oh, sense dear. I'm, I'm making sense, but this is something that I go through. I, um, I've been going through for the past number of years. I, I'm not sure that that feeling translates to somebody who's a layperson. Um, I don't know that that outrage will ever lessen for those of us who acknowledge that they are now saints. You still feel that anger, and you still feel that the lack of justice having been served. The fact that they're saints may be because you're because of your background as, as clergy and your studies, mm -hmm. that you can make that distinction, that you can switch from them being the martyrs to now being the saints. I, I don't see a massive distinction between the two because I always considered them holy martyrs right. before. So right. they died f for us in the name of, uh, of the Armenian people to maintain their, and as Christians, to Absolutely, maintain their yeah, that identity. element so, is there. So the there. Christianity is there, and no matter how you try to put it, it, it was geopolitics, this and that. The fact that we were Christian, that, that right. is of the course, base of, of, of the genocide. And so that hasn't changed for the layperson, I don't believe. Absolutely. Maybe for you, it's a conflict of identifying them now as as saints in a technical sense. That's, you're right, and you know the the more. Um, you feel like you're maturing and <laughs> getting older. The sadder I feel just thinking about the genocide, just thinking about everything that we've lost. It's And mm -hmm. it's not about um, the homeland. It's not about the, the number of the people who were killed, but also the heritage that was lost, the memories that was taken away from us. You cannot possibly put any... Um, numeric value of what we have lost and it's so enormous mm -hmm. so after watching the promise and uh, going to Badarak on the Monday evening um, probably drained we were drained but we had a conversation with our children you know reinforcing <laughs> and that's the most important thing yeah. you know? it's incredible how those moments crystallize the importance of preserving our culture and the language, and making sure that our children, that we can hand that, pass that over to them. So I agree with you on that. Yeah, and that's kind of what I meant with the boost, too, from that film, at least for me, right? You know, sometimes, especially as like a, what, a 25-year-old growing up in America, you I mean, even if I'm with you a lot of the time, and I'm also working at the prelacy, you're still immersed in American culture that sometimes, like, you, you kind of don't look at the big picture with Armenians at all times. I definitely want to preserve this culture. We are so strong and so cool. And it's so funny because my friend Eddie is dating an Odar girl, right? And she calls me and she's like, after Is this okay? Do you really want to discuss this on the podcast? Okay. Okay. She calls me and she's like, Poor Eddie. For all the times I made fun of the enormous Armenian pride you guys show me, 
I'm so sorry. And she like actually teared up because she watched the prom. She got so emotional and she understands what makes us so prideful. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, so that that suffering to me did not. I, I, and I we were talking with my friends over the weekend where a couple of my buddies came out of the movie and they were just angry. And I was like, guys, I feel like as a community, whether it's the local community in the United States or abroad, th- we've harnessed mm-hmm. that frustration, that sense of you know, that rage, and have used that to our advantage to really achieve some incredible milestones as a people. So I, I look at, you know, to take from your point, the fact that, they are, that the martyrs are now saints, um, to me that parallels the significance of the, the ability of the Armenian community, the Armenian people, to resolve and maintain that that strength of, of character and perseverance. So it kind of uh, it crystallizes for me how great and how successful um, we've become as as a nation. And can I t- tell one more thing that I did on April twenty fourth? I listened to System of a Down, the concert of Yerevan. Oh, yeah, that's a great concert, and that's awesome. Yeah, you know, there's a point where um, Daron screams uh, <laughs> and he says, "This is not a rock and roll concert. This is revenge." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It is scripture time here on the podcast, and today we are reading from the epistle of James, chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. Above all, my beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil 
in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The Word of God. This is a loaded reading. A yeah, lot, a lot, lot to talk about here. Practical advice for Christians mm -hmm. how to live their lives by James. Um, not addressed to any particular community, but for all Christians. That's why we call it Antanaganamak, uh, universal or Catholic letters, we call them in English, addressed for everyone. There were some parallels during the Lenten, um, the, during the Lenten sermons where you talked about, uh, I forget, obviously it was from the book of Matthew, but where you were talking about prayer isn't only for times of suffering, it's also during times of celebration and times of praise. And, and a similar sort of um, theme emerged for me from the reading. I think uh, that's a theme that is um, consistently present in, in the scriptures. And here James um, reminds us about that one more time and he gets very specific are any among you suffering they should pray yeah. <laughs> very simple, simple. <laughs> you have a problem here's the solution for your prayer and uh, <laughs> no but I like the specificity if you're sick call the elders of the church and have them have them pray over you absolutely <laughs> and, uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something lately um, this is this is a confession, by the way, and the confession on the podcast. It's uh, very revealing about uh, my spirituality. Mm. Uh, my uh, in my life of prayer, I I used to be very generic. I would pray and ask for the will of God, and you know, knowing that God, who knows everything, will provide everything. But lately, you become a little more specific. I started to become more specific, and I started to pray about the specific things. And when you see the answers that are given to you, and how God provides and shows solutions to you, I'm like, where have I been? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, as a priest, I'm making this confession, and you know, why I'm saying this because I know a lot of people, you know, for them, prayer is just something that. You know, following certain emotions without giving a lot of thought to it. But when you pray about specific things, you put your faith, you put your heart, God will show you answers. And here's the thing. The answer it may not be what you want. <laughs> you may not get what you thought that was right, best the right, answer. But, but you got there, an answer. <laughs> there will be some sort of answers that will surprise you. Um, and prayer also involves being surrendered to the will of God. And that's such an important thing for us to start learning. It's a learning process. Uh -huh. Are you cheerful? Then you should sing songs of praise. And in, in the society, we express our happiness 
in different his, ways. His song. Uh, but yeah. singing songs of praise is... Uh, I love the shotguns that are at the end of our Divine Liturgy, the ones that, you know, are uh, the choir sing right after Holy Communion is delivered, Latsak, Kohanam. Those mm -hmm. are celebration. Like, mm -hmm. we are celebrating that we have been fulfilled and uh, God has provided for us. These are only examples about um, a few shotguns. Like, there's one um, about the resurrection hymns where it tells us to clap. You know, we think that it's not Clapping part is of, unacceptable. not part of our culture, but uh, it, it's right there in our shotgun. So, well, that's more of a cultural thing than it is a spiritual <laughs> it thing. Is, Obviously, right. if we go down the street to the Baptist, the AME Baptist Church, there's a lot of cra clapping and praising going on there, and that's right. It's we a clap different level of uh, excitement. in the spirit, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Clapping, and, maybe and that will be the last day of me here as a pastor. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the end of uh, Nadig's uh, term, term here. <laughs> and the other thing, are any among you sick? They should call the elders of the church and have them pray over them. Uh, this is very important, and I don't get tired of reminding our parishioners if anybody is sick please let me know because i'd like to go and visit and say a prayer mm -hmm. sometimes people have this hideous idea that whenever <laughs> that shows last, right? up it's the last thing <laughs> that's it you're going no 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 badrashche, badrashche. no we're not ready yet for you <laughs> that's you're the last resort you know um, but that's not what the scripture says prayer has healing power if not uh physical healing at least there's some sort of spiritual healing that takes place and people should be encouraged to do that. So, mm. when I come, I'm not the angel of death. I'm just a regular guy. I'm, I'm that high. So, please don't be scared. And the other important thing, it's in verse 16. Confess your sins to one another. And this is where the um, sacrament of reconciliation and confess confession of sins comes from. It is scriptural, and we are encouraged to confess our sins. In our church, we have the public confession. We read a mm -hmm. list of, of sins, which is a short list. There's the long version. And a few days ago, um, we, we were having... It was actually during Holy Week. We were having church services, and I was reading um, that long list of confession. The way that is crafted... It's, it's amazing. It makes you think about the things that you do in life and how you upset God. And when you confess your sins, you know that a burden has been taken away from you. And that's what we need to do. You know, just like you change your sheet, just like you take a shower, you know, that you spiritual cleanse, cleanse hygiene is very important. So is confess, you know, how in the Catholic Church, there's the actual physical confession aspect of it when you confess to the priest. Um, do you encourage people to confess their sins to others? Does it have to be to a member of clergy to be able to basically speak freely about uh, about your transgressions? Well, here's the thing. If uh, you have friends and you want to go and speak to them about your personal life, you can do that. Or if family you, members. If you have a family member, go for it. If you have a therapist, go for it. However, it is only clergy who has the authority to absolve sins and that mm -hmm. is given by Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples 
and through his disciples to the ordained clergy of the church. So we believe in the apostolic succession. And we yeah, can you explain that concept? Because I don't think our listeners maybe really fully grasp that. The apostolic, the apostolic su succession. Well, the fact that you are considered to be a descendant of the apostles in the absolution of sin. Sure. Um, during the Last Supper, it was very clear that um, Jesus was not only instituting the sacrament of uh, Eucharist you know, by giving the bread and the wine, but also he was instituting something different. It was the time that the, the Twelve were there, and he was telling them to uh, administer the Eucharist. So it was the beginning of priesthood. Mm -hmm. And the disciples, whenever they went, they put their hands and they ordained, you know, uh, their helpers who became the elders in the church. And um, we are lucky that we had not only one, but two apostles uh, going to Armenia and mm -hmm. evangelizing us the word of God. And the faith started there. We had our hierarchy established and uh, we are proud to say that we can trace our roots back to the apostles and the clergy um should, should i use that word the clergy humbly and i'm part of the clergy we have that authority that is vested i mean given to us by by god and the gospel and by our holy mother church so Coming to church is really important because you are you become part of what Jesus started and what we try to faithfully continue. Dear Nadek, since this is our first podcast since the resurrection of our Lord, it is only appropriate that we have a hymnal that speaks of the resurrection and celebrates the resurrection to close out our podcast today. And today's hymnal will be Nord Zarik, which... Can you tell us? Of course, what this the story is, is this is about. Uh, it's it's very poetic. It's uh, the the resurrection of Jesus Christ is being described as a new bright flower um, that is that comes out of um, the grave where Jesus was buried. So this is something that we sing uh, during Badarak in our church. And uh, if you come to our church, our uh, Deacon Zepir sings this really, really beautifully. I love that. We hope you will enjoy Nordzarik, and I hope that you enjoy our podcast today. We will be back sometime in the near future, hopefully in two weeks or a little bit more, right? Perhaps. Perhaps. We're not sure. But we aim to be within two-week increments. That's the plan. I'd like to thank our sponsors, our listeners, and thank you, Ve. Thank you, Greg. I think this was a good show, good discussion. I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be always in your hearts. Amen.
Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please contact the church office at 718-224-2275.